Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the producer of the show, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today? Praising God. He's good. Amen to that. And one of the cool things as we talk here today, as we open up the show, is the fact that this week you guys got to hear Pastor Joe back with me, which I have to say, and I know for Tony as well, that is so nice for us yeah, for a number of reasons. One, just having him back, talking about an important, important subject. I hope you guys really dig those episodes. I know, you know, we kind of we kind of went for the softballs for us because those are issue. That is an issue. Once they always say is an issue. It's not controversial at all. Yeah, either. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we try not to be contra- <laughs> controversial. Here. But um, you know, when I told Joe, I'm like, all right, you're coming back, we're doing some shows together. What do you want to do it on? And he's like, let's do once they've always saved. I'm like, all right, let's do it. I, I can do that every week. Like if you said we did that every show, you know, maybe people get upset. But uh, but I, I love that topic. So and I think it's one of the most important topics to discuss in the body of Christ. Uh, one and, of the most misunderstood too, as far as uh, our position on it. it it's it, a lot of terminology is used that's not necessarily what where we stand on the issue. Oh no, they mis, misinterpret what you where believe it is you we, can lose your salvation. Oh no, I don't yeah, lose it like my keys. Anyways, right. we could get the, see what you're doing. This is not what that episode's this episode's right. about. <laughs> Joe's going to cover all. Uh, Joe's already covered all that, you know. But uh, but nonetheless, no. It, it, Tony talks about it, and one of the reasons we do talk about it a lot is because there's. It's so dangerous in the church, and not only is it so dangerous in the church, but also when it comes to our evangelism. I was say, it does tie into what we're talking about today in a way, for it, sure. 100%. And in fact, you know, Joe's talked about this a number of times about uh, his son Josiah going out on the mission field and calling people to repentance, you know, and calling people to continue in their walk with Christ. How that seed lands. Yeah, it's so interesting. You read 1 Corinthians 15, when we hear what the gospel, the gospel that was received by Paul, that if you hold fast till the end, you're right. saved by, right? Um, you have that, but then people will tell you, don't, don't preach obedience to Christ. Don't preach that you have to actually come to him and follow him because those sheep listen and follow. And so when you have a, a, a improper understanding of what is required when somebody needs to sit down and calculate, count the cost to see if they have enough to start the job. Oh, no, that's right. Mm -hmm. They have enough to finish the job. I think that once you have a bad starting point, it gets really ugly. I remember as a newer believer, I had uh, a couple of friends, you know, that I had known throughout high school. I had wrestled with them and, you know, they said they were Christians. Um, after I got saved, <laughs> but before, yeah, I've always been a Christian. I'm like, mm, I don't know about this stuff, you know? And I remember even someone preaching the gospel with me, my brother-in-law sharing the gospel with me when he told me a couple days before I came to faith, hey man, if you come to my church that where, where me and Eric are at now, like you can't just sit there and sleep with your girlfriend and no one's going to tell you this is wrong. Like we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it biblically, what the Bible says about sin that is festering in the church. And I'm like, wow, you guys are crazy, you know. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> but 
But in all honesty, the, a real gospel message is one that's not hi- hypocritical. It's not mm-hmm. fake. It's Amen, not phony. Yeah. It's of new birth. It's a, it's of joy. It's of victory. It's not of defeat. And the the one who was defeated was the enemy at the cross. Sin was defeated, you know. And so when we preach a gospel, we preach the full counsel of God as best we can. And evangelism is so abundant, like so important. And I remember as, as I was trying to get to, and here I am circling the wagons back to, you know, Josiah out there preaching the gospel in the Philippines and having the director come to him and say, even though all these people are coming to know the Lord, say, hey, you can't preach it that way. So, yes, it is important. It's important to our evangelism that we tell people, Actually, what the gospel is, and when you tell people something that is not found in Scripture, when you tell people something that is absolutely different than any letter that you read in the Christian church, like when you read about walking um, walking as a man walking worthy of your calling, when mm-hmm. you read over and over again, strive against sin, when you agonizamai, all these different things, and you're like, just throw those out to the to the wayside. Behold the kindness and severity of the Lord. <laughs> you know, there's got to be a balance there. And it's so dangerous not to have that balance. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I wanted to talk about today and I had brought forth to Tony was just the fact that I want to point this out to you and that this is separate than what we've talked about so far. If your pastor, the shepherd that is over you at your fellowship, if he does not evangelize, if he does not share the gospel, I do not believe he meets the biblical requirements of a pastor. Now, we've gone over a number of biblical requirements. Typically, when we talk about that, we're talking about the Joel Osteens of the world, right? Well, you know, it's not really my calling to, you know, preach against false teachers. Oh, that's weird, because the calling of a pastor is one that preaches against false teachers. Those who don't preach true doctrine, and they also don't come against those who preach false doctrine, guess what? You are not qualified. So that's usually what we talk about, right? We talk about those qualifications, making sure they have uh, children that are obedient to Scripture. In fact, I I think we just got that question asked to us, and I guess I can answer it here um, now that I'm (laughs) thinking about it. It just came in in the message. Somebody had asked, and this this is about evangelism, so we're going to get to it. Trust me, I will get to it. Um, But I, I was asked... Whether or not somebody who leaves the home, if the if the family member is believing, maybe in the house and is subject to the the parents, but then once they're older and leave the home and no longer believe, does that mean that the pastor can no longer be a pastor, even though they've left the house and are no longer under them? And I do not believe that that is what is being spoken about there in Titus or in First uh, Timothy. Uh, three or Titus one, I, I don't believe that's what's being spoken about. I, I believe it has a lot to do with the respect and the listening of uh, that the obedience that they are able to watch over their family. And I can tell you this personally from somebody in ministry with a number of kids, uh, and Tony can obviously tell you that too, also with a wife as well. Um, that it can be difficult to, you know, shepherd anything. You know, whether it's your ministry, whether it's just your, you know, you're busy with, you know, Tony's got music ministry as well having, you know, good fights, you know, whatever it is, and you're shepherding over something and your own household is in disorder, it's going to be really hard to do anything orderly outside of your household. So it's really, really dangerous to have somebody whose children do not believe. Now, I would just say this, this is personal conviction. I do not believe it means you're not a pastor if, okay, that's not what I'm saying. But I will tell you this, if I look at somebody who is in church leadership and the me immediately, as soon as their children leave the house, none of them believe, I'm asking why. 
I'm just going to point that out. I'm asking why is it that none of them, once they left the household, none of them believed? Because that's dangerous to me. Because what if somebody moves away from that fellowship, right? This is a flock that they're supposed to be seeing over. And then they they take off. And then, oh, yeah, fine. You know, they're gone. I, I would be like, I would be concerned about the church that everybody who leaves their church no longer believes. I would be very concerned about that, right? So I would be, I have the same concerns. Like I said, that is added commentary from me, not saying 100%, but it's just something to maybe watch, but I'm not saying, and, you know, there's a number of things that take place. Um, you know, somebody comes to faith after there's so much damage done, you know? that maybe as they were unbelievers, you know, maybe they were an adulterous and so forth, and the the parents reconcile, but the, the children are a little older and they see that. You know, maybe you were on drugs, something like that, and children see that. That stuff can be really, really difficult, and uh, I don't believe that somebody outside of the house, not uh, no longer under their leadership, therefore negates them from ministry. That's personal, uh, what, I, what I see in the text. Um, but anyways, so hopefully that, that answers your question. Now, I want to go forward with this because I love talking about evangelism um, because evangelism is the lifeblood of the church when it comes to new converts. One of the things that I believe if you're planting churches, if you are wanting to see people come to faith, if you want to uh, be someone who disciples people, making disciples of all men, I think one of the most important things is to give, help to give them a heart of evangelism as believers in Christ as those who love Jesus, as those who have been taken from death to life, as those who have been taken from the dominion of darkness and come into the dominion of his marvelous son, Jesus Christ, how on earth can you hide that under a bushel? How can you, as a believer, hide that under a bushel? And if you're discipling people, and then and the number, one of the number one focuses is not making sure they're sharing their faith with everyone, not just when they go out on the mission field. So many people do that. You know, they think once I once I go out to you know Zimbabwe, then I'll be able to share my faith. Why is it? Because your pride? Are you embarrassed because the locals may think less of you and where you live? No. We need to make sure that we are sharing with as many people as possible. How much of an evil is it to know that your neighbor is going to hell and you say nothing to them about it? You know, I, I recently had a lower tire. Now it's popped. <laughs> I preached a Sunday message. I turned the corner and it blew out and I was stuck at the gas station uh, for a couple hours. But I remember before it blew out, I was at the gym and it was six in the morning and I usually uh, read a couple devotionals and read some scripture before I walk in. And this guy stops everything he's doing, was walking all the way to the gym and walks all the way back to me. Your tire's low, your tire's low. And I get out and I'm like, wow, it actually is really low. Thank you so much. And I'm like, that's because he saw that there could be a danger that my, imagine if I would have got on the freeway. I live, you know, probably about ten, five, seven minutes from the gym. I usually get on the freeway to get there. Imagine if I got on the freeway, that thing blew, that could, I could die. I could literally go off the side of the road. And so he saw that. He didn't just walk by. He didn't just pass by. He said, I need to tell that guy something. Guys, I hope that we have a little more unction mm -hmm. about ourselves to see the guy with the flat tire spiritually and more than a flat tire. We know it's imminent death. We know without a doubt he gets on that freeway and guess what? He's going to die. And we say nothing about it. That's on us. And I want to bring this out because this is something that, like I said, the, the title of this episode is that if your pastor doesn't share the gospel, if he doesn't evangelize, he is not 
a pastor. And one of the reasons I say this is not only understanding one of the roles of the pastor, remember, Jesus warned the blind lead the blind into a ditch, okay? One of the roles of the pastor is to be followed in a way. In fact, Hebrews 13, 7 says this, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. So guess what? The, re- the result of their conduct, considering what they're doing, if your pastor's not sharing the gospel, the likelihood is you're probably not either. That's typically just what happens. And then there's even, even worse. I remember the Barna study that most evangelicals for a while thought that it was just the pastor's job. So the pastor not only needs to be evangelizing themselves, but they also need to share with you the truth of the gospel so you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but also they do so to encourage you to love and good works. What greater work is there in the world than to share the gospel? Now, I'll remind you this because plenty of people believe that sharing the gospel is simply uh, what, what is that? I think it was Francis of Assisi um, uh, <laughs> who said, share the gospel at all times and, and if necessary, use words. Right, yeah. So, you know, I've heard it. Uh, I think Ray Comfort was the one who said, you know, feed, feed the needy or feed the poor at all times and if necessary, use food. You know, <laughs> it's like, you got to be kidding me. I remember <laughs> the gospel is words. Like, people don't realize that. People think that, oh, you know, share the gospel, just be a light, you know? Well, you know what? Mormons are a light, right? I believe they're a light from darkness, but, um, you know, they're, they, you know, Satan comes as, a, as an angel of light. But the fact is, is that they will know no difference of your conduct unless you say something. Like, you want to make sure that, yes, keep your conduct among the Gentiles excellent. You want to make sure that you are walking the truth of the gospel but if you never open up your mouth, come on. The gospel literally is a proclamation. That's the definition of it. The euangelion, it's good news. The euangelizo, the, the verb for the word, it's actually used 46 times in the scriptures. Um, over half of them are actually used between Luke and Acts, which you think of Acts, obviously, right? But, um, but it's interesting. This was a word, euangelion, the good news, or euangelizo. This was a word that was specifically used for proclamation, heralding a victory in, in battle, heralding even the emperor's birthday. In fact, we actually have an inscription with that word used in Asia Minor in 9 BC. Quote, the birthday of the god Caesar Augustus, euangelion to the world, right? Good news to the world, the God, obviously false God, little g, right? Um, <laughs> we we have the euangelion. This is a proclamation, either of victory or of celebration. Guys, when we give the euangelion, we go out and proclaim the gospel. It is a gospel of victory, not the fake gospel we talked about earlier, right? Oh, don't worry, you'll just live in your sin and it'll be totally normal. No, we have a gospel of victory. We have a We fight right now. If you are in Christ, you fight a one battle. Think about that. Imagine you are the person in battle, but guess what? It's already been won. You know, no matter what happens, the battle was won on the cross. And we proclaim that victory. If we're going to be braggers, let's brag about our Lord Jesus Christ, the victory that took place on the cross. And if we are going to be followers of Christ, we are going to be people that share this truth with people. And if you go to a church that the pastor cannot say, be imitators of me, just as I am also Christ, as Paul said, that is a problem. We're not perfect. We recognize that. 
James 3.2 says, we, includes himself in that statement, as the bishop there of Jerusalem, we all stumble in many ways. Jesus said in Luke 17 that stumbling blocks are unavoidable. We recognize that we do stumble, that the one that was perfect is Jesus Christ, our Lord, and he's our perfect example. And even though that we stumble, we get back up. And that's the point. I believe that's the difference between a believer and a non-believer. And the fruit of it is that when we step in it, we want to get cleaned, right? When we mess up, we don't just lay down and wallow in the mire, play in the poop. We get out and get cleaned and say, Lord, I can't believe I did this. Please help me. And I I do believe that there's an openness to that. You know, we were going through... In a recent uh, discipleship group, we went through different sermons and some of the characteristics, some of the styles of the sermons that we have in the book of Acts. And we went through uh, Stephen's sermon there. We also went through Peter's sermon. We went through Paul's sermon in, in uh, Mars Hill. And we said, what are some of the different ways that you see them sharing? And Peter also gives somewhat of a sermon or a teaching after the Cornelius conversion. And Peter goes forth and admits where he was wrong. Think about this, guys. Acts chapter 2, we have the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches this hardcore sermon right after that, right? So you have Peter. Then this is eight chapters later, many years later, Peter with the Holy Spirit living inside of him, still not believing that Gentiles can be saved. And so he comes out and corrects that because Jesus corrected him three times in a dream, right? And he comes out and says that, hey, I've messed up. I, I've, I thought this something and it's wrong. And I love that. Right? There's nothing wrong in saying, hey, I mistook something. I was off here. There's nothing wrong in doing that other than pride. But I, will, I, I just wanted to point that out because we want to be open and honest because we are, if you're in, even if you're in church leader, if you're a pastor, an elder, deacon, so forth, even though you are, you are called to be blameless, all of these things, you need to be able to say and quick to remind when you've wronged and when you've messed up. It's really important as well. Okay, but we dwell in the victory, right? We we always remember. I, you know, it's so funny. You have the the chapter of defeat in Romans chapter seven, right? Over and over again, the chapter of defeat. He can't help but do all these terrible things that he wishes he would not do, and he, he can't even do the things that he should do. I mean, this is horrible. There's just no place for victory there in Romans chapter seven. I think it was Leonard Ravenhill who pointed out over and over again when you read Romans chapter 7, it's I, 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 I. And then when you get to Romans 8, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit, right? Over and over again. You have the chapter of defeat in Romans 7 and the chapter of victory in Romans 8. And, And even at the end of Romans 7, we actually find out where our victory is. Who saves you from the wretched man, the body of death? that is upon you? Who will save you from that wretched body? Who will save you from that death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then you have over and over again in Romans 8, render the render their body dead, kill the flesh, run by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God over and over again. This is what you have. These are the solemn charges. And then it says that we ourselves, we don't even know what to pray, right? That the Holy Spirit prays through us. And then it also says that we are more than conquerors, not in ourselves, but through him who loves us. We recognize where our strength comes from. I I look my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, right? This is my king. And so we always recognize that. We make sure that those who are in leadership roles are also doing 
things that God prescribes to them. Now, I want to bring this this out because I think it's really powerful. And I tried I tried to do a message called A Living Eulogy a, a few weeks ago at Blessed Hope Chapel. And I wanted to get through Peter's eulogy and Paul's eulogy that they wrote for themselves before they died. And I'm going to start off with Paul's. Uh, I'm not going to get to Peter's today, but I want to start off with Paul's. And I'm going to start off with the eulogy, and then I'm going to go back to what he charges Timothy when he writes the pastoral epistle, the second one to Timothy. But in verse 6, it says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all those who have loved his appearing. Now recognize this, guys. Paul says that after an emphasis in in verse 1, and we're going to go over that. But Paul, in verses 6 through 8, re-emphasizes in a more powerful way, I believe, by basically saying these last things I just said to you, write them on your heart. These last things, Timothy, that I'm writing to you, I'm writing to you so that you will keep these things, that you will, I'm going to charge you to make sure you keep the things I just said. And to piggyback on the fact that he already solemnly charges it, he puts the fact that he's about to die Think about that. Imagine if someone is writing to you and they said, this is really important. Pay attention. Please do the things that I'm going to ask you to do. And then after they write what they ask and they want you to do, they then say, I'm about to die. Would you write that on your heart and say, man, I better follow this, right? Think about that. Think about being in Timothy's spot here. And now remember, these words are are, are now for us as under the new covenant given to each believer that we can read from these things and have this instruction and grow in them. But think about that. Think about Timothy, a child in the faith of Paul, growing in him, knowing him, having Paul be used by God to grow Timothy in the faith in a radical way. And then you have him writing his eulogy out. Hey, check it out. I'm about to die. So those things that I just said, which we're going to read right now, those things I just said, please, they're important. And I imagine if they're important for Paul to write to Timothy, they should be important to us as well. And I would say that this characteristic, as a pastoral epistle to a pastor, if it is not listened to, if it is not followed, I do not believe that person is truly a shepherd of God. And I'm going to read this. Starting at verse 1. I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Boom. He starts this <laughs> off, right? Think about that. Like those words, I solemnly exhort you. I'm charging you right now. And look at it. I'm charging you by the presence of God and of Jesus Christ and the judge living in the dead and by his con- by His appearing in his kingdom. Like what he's about to say is really important. Verse two, preach the word. Be ready in of season and out of season. Boom again. <laughs> First again. thing, preach the word. Preach the word. Number one on that list. Preach the word in a season out of season. It doesn't matter. When is it time to preach the word? Not just behind a pulpit, right? (laughs) Not just behind a pulpit, that's right. When is it time to preach the word? And look what he says about preaching the word. Correct. People don't like correction. I made my son, uh, Eli, and I'm sure Joe's told a million stories about Eli, you know, by now. Um, He's my oldest, and 
he has he's a, he's such a sweet kid. He's here actually right now while I'm recording, trying to ride rollerblades all over the church. But <laughs> um, but nonetheless, he is somebody that corrections not always easy for him. He's he's such a sweet kid too. He he's such a great helper and all those things. We're trying to he's we actually went out um, to Texas and then as we were driving back, one of the things that we do is share the gospel with our waiters or waitresses. That somebody in the group and a lot of times because our group was about twenty, we'd have to split two tables. So somebody in the group, it'd be their turn or this person's turn to share the gospel. So my wife and myself and then it was Nico and Nathan and then and my kids. We all went to one place and everyone else went to another restaurant. And I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I had totally forgot about witnessing to our waitress. And she had walked by and she, the computer was right next to us. She, so she kept having to walk, walk by. And I, I'm like, what's going on over there? And Eli's talking to her. And uh, he's seven years old. And Eli's talking to her. And uh, Nathan, I'm like, Nathan, what, what is Eli talking about over there? You know, I'm like wondering what he's like getting into. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's sharing the gospel with her. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Eli, good job. So he's got, he's got some great qualities. But one of the things, he has tough time with correction. So I've made him uh, memorize Proverbs 12.1. And uh, I said, you're only allowed to say that word if it's in scripture. You know, we don't say stupid. But it says, he who hates correction is stupid. And at first he was like, Dad, are you calling me stupid? You know that's wrong. You're not allowed to do that. You know, <laughs> I'm like, Eli, I'm not calling you stupid. All right. I'm telling you, do you hate correction? Because the Bible is ascribing you. If you hate that correction, it is very dumb to hate that correction. These corrections are good. And a lot of people, when it comes to the Word of God, they don't, they don't like correcting. And it is uncomfortable. Let's just be honest one with the another. That's probably why he has to solemnly charge it. Right? Correct. Rebuke. Boom, right? Exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate, they will pour onto themselves, bring about a number of, and just turn on TBN if you think that's that scripture's not true, <laughs> for themselves, teachers, in accordance with their own desires. Because why? Because people are not correcting, rebuking, exhorting with this great patience and instruction. Because people aren't doing that and people don't like it, they accumulate for themselves false teachers. Now people can just, you know, I, I, really, I, I stopped going to fellowship and now I just listen to Joel Osteen. I just watch him. He has such a nice smile on TV. You know, I've been listening to Creflo Dollar. You know, Benny Hinn, it's so crazy, all the blessings he's throwing out at me. All of these things that are happening. You know, your rabbit's foot over there and whatnot. It's just crazy and it's heartbreaking. But here's what I want to get at. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and they will turn aside to myths. But as for you, Timothy, young pastor, as for you, you self-restraint in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, the evangelist was an office in the church. The evangelist was an office in the church. And in fact, they would usually travel around, Philip the evangelist, for example, with the apostles. And they would do, they would be sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. That was their office. And, and the church typically funded those mission work, especially when you read Philippians. I don't have enough time to get into that, but well, we could talk about the, the office of evangelist um, at a later time. But one of the most important things 
for them to fulfill their ministry. If you are going to be a pastor, fulfilling your ministry, part of it is evangelism. Because you need to be able to say to your congregation, hey, if I'm out sharing, we need to all be out sharing the gospel. That needs to be prevalent. And I love how he said, be blameless. And I was reading, I've been reading uh, a lot of early church. And when he talks about um, dispensing the mysteries of God, teaching the word of God, Ignatius on his letter to the Trillians, um, he talks about those who would administer, those those preaching the gospel, those, those proclaiming the truth of God and to the deacons. When it talks about them as Paul did about being blameless, he says this, they must, those deacons, pastors, bishops, so forth, they must, therefore, guard against blame as if against fire. And I love that, guys. Guard against blame, remain spotless and blameless as much as you can, as you would fire. God bless. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.